That was because that was Clinton's last song that he's been able to sing here. Do you understand that? He's been singing for 24 years at Westside Baptist Church. And on, amen. <laughs> Tears in my eyes, too. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Tears of sadness, but tears of gladness as, as God has uh, uh, plans as he moves to Minneapolis, I believe it is. St. Paul's. St. Paul's in that area. Oh, I tell you, tonight we say goodbye. We say goodbye to Clinton. Tonight we're going to be saying goodbye to my son also. I have other tears, you can imagine. And then we're also, uh, Miss Mona Hayfish has moved to Florence. So we're losing some wonderful people. Would you not agree? Thank you, Clinton, for 24 years. And tonight we get to celebrate. I hope you will come back tonight as we get to celebrate together. Thank you for your service to the Lord here. Amen. Man, what a blessing, huh? I need to get out my snot rag, but it's... Uh, oh, my. I, uh, I was sitting there before Clinton started to, to cry up there himself. I started thinking, this is his last song. Now... Oh, that's right. He gets to sing the second service. All right. Tears are over, though. Okay. We're not going to do that again. All right. We can only handle so much in our emotions. Would you not agree? (laughs) I would say so. Oh, my. My, my, my. You just love. You know, the average stay of a person in the church is just two to three years. Some of it is because people move a lot. Some of it is that we just get carnal. Some of it is we just don't know what God wants or we don't know what's good for us. And maybe sometimes it's that we need to discover what's good for us. Would you not agree? That's what I'm going to be talking about a little bit this morning. Not that uh, we want to change churches or things like that. But this morning my message is on discernment. Discernment. I personally believe that God orchestrated this message for Westside Baptist Church. Now, I know we have some guests here this morning. And I hope... uh, Dear sisters or brothers that are here this morning, that God will speak to your heart in whatever way. But there's times when we just need to address Westside Baptist Church. Does that make sense? And, and just for us to have a good old soul-searching time. And, uh, and yet this is a part of our Sermon on the Mount, so it's not a coincidence that it is coming in this segment of, 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 of our, our time of service. But I have decided to spend maybe a little bit more time on being able to discern. I personally believe that this is one of the greatest difficulties Christians are in today. And that is discerning the rights and wrongs of things. Is this godly or is this ungodly? Is this of the spirit or is this of the flesh? Is this God's will for my life or is this not God's will for my life? All those things are important questions, aren't they? I would hope that every one of us would say, you know, I want to be doing what God wants me to do. I want to be thinking what God wants me to be thinking. And so to sort out our thinking, our our processes of why we make the decisions, how do we discern? Hebrews, as the writer of Hebrews uh, said in chapter 5, He says, you know, it's a time for us to be teachers. But yet we haven't even understood 
some of the basic elements of salvation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he says, man, I wanted to teach you meat. But I had to get you back to milk. Truly, there's a growth process that we take. And it is my prayer that we'll be on that growth process and that God would help us. Now, this morning, I'm going to try to be as serious as a heart attack, all right? And it is my prayer that God will give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And can you right now, as I pray this morning, and by the way, as I pray, Brother Lucas, would you make sure <laughs> that we have the right message on there? The way that you'll be able to tell it is that there's a slide there with a diagram that we've used on Wednesday night. It's the second or third one, probably the second one on there. It's on there. Oh, praise the Lord. I, I, you know, I get so busy, and it's amazing how much has to be done that uh, oftentimes we don't always follow through with what we need to follow through with. Is that not correct? How many have ever done that before? I'm just checking to see how many people are being honest with me right now, all right? Is it important for us to be honest? Is confession good for the soul? You know, I, I believe, I believe. James chapter 5, where it talks about healing there. Some people have put the emphasis on the oil. Some people have put the emphasis on prayer. And those things are there. In fact, I personally believe the emphasis is on prayer there, that we pray for one another because he concludes that chapter, uh, that passage there with Elijah praying for it wouldn't rain. And it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word avail comes the word dynamite. But there's something that sometimes is not emphasized. And that says, in the previous verse, it says, Confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. And sometimes our pride comes in. We're not willing to make some things right. I have seen people go down a wrong path because either they won't forgive or they don't ask God to forgive them in the way that God would want them to ask. To ask forgiveness is to see it the way God sees it. I think I said that last time, didn't I? See it the way God sees it and then say it that way God sees it so that we confess. My friends, we have lost sight of how sin offends a holy God. That's why I want to be serious with you this morning. Is that all right? Sometimes I joke around and everything and... Sometimes I get a little carried away, and I have no idea how I'm going to get carried away this morning. I don't know whether it's going to be the caffeine that I drank this morning or whether it's the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, I have begged God to help me to be in the Spirit this morning. God got me up early this morning and had me rewrite the message. It's not a different message. But sometimes when I write my messages, <laughs> I start getting this little chicken scratch over here and this little chicken scratch over here. Brother Frank, if I brought it in this morning, you'd look at it and you'd say, how could you even preach something like that? There's scribble all over the page. 
And oftentimes I depend on God to lead in the message. But God said, I don't think you better depend on confusion on the notes. And so I wrote it out in a little bit more simpler fashion. Gary, you'd be proud of me this morning, all right? Jerry, you'd be a little bit prouder of that too. But who knows what's going to happen this morning. But could we pray that God will open our eyes that we might understand the Scriptures? Father, it is my prayer that you help me to be Spirit-led this morning. But not just Spirit-led preaching from the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing and dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrows, and as a discerner of our thoughts and intents of our hearts. But also, Father, to have Spirit-led ears. Lord, there might be something that's brought up today that your spirit will just work in someone's heart that's not even a part of this message. And, Lord, we've seen that so many times. But that, Lord, that it wouldn't be that we would just have spiritual ears, but that we would be doers of the word as well. And that as you convict our hearts, as you speak to us, Lord, it can be a kind, gentle nudging in a direction Or it can be a slam dunk shutting a door and opening another one to a path that needs to be opened. Father, it is my prayer that you'll work in every heart, member, attender, guest that's here, or those that might watch this in their time alone. We'll just praise you what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're there in Matthew chapter 7. I would hope you could turn there this morning in discernment. We've been talking about judge, that you be not judged. And we talked about there the critical spirit. And that's what he's trying to... It's the idea that you... This is what a critical spirit is. Here's the definition of a critical spirit. You are setting yourself, or I am setting myself up as the judge. Everybody got that? That's, that's pretty good. Okay? Um, it is our opinions. It is playing God. It is becoming our own Bible. Depends on our walk of life, our education, our personalities, our spiritual giftedness. Of how those things might affect The glasses of how we see the things that are happening in our lives. And that's what he's talking about not to do. Don't you set yourself up as the judge. Do do we understand that? That's just a simple understanding of what we've been talking about now for three weeks. Because this is a very misquoted scriptures. But as we saw, God wants us. To be discerners. He that spiritual discerns, or the word there in the King James, judges all things. It's that word discern. Judges all things, but yet he himself is not judged. All right, so there is this aspect of being able to see the rights and wrongs, as I've already talked about. Some of this is based on spiritual maturity. So as we saw that in verses 1 and 2, then we went into verse 3. He says, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but you don't consider the beam that is in thine own eye? 
Why don't we concern? Why do we see what's going on in other people's lives or other situations or other particular decisions? And that irritates us. But we don't see what's going on in our own lives. Now, that's important. Would you not agree? That is a part of setting ourselves up as the judge. All right. And so it's a good examination. He's asking us, why don't we do this? Are we really being spirit led or are we being led of the flesh? Now, on Wednesday nights, we started a series. Brother, uh, Pastor Nathan, over a year ago, we started this the summer of 2015, a series on spiritual warfare. It's been on Wednesday nights. We've been dealing with it for over a year. The reason why I believe that God led in that series is because Westside Baptist Church would be under spiritual warfare as you try to go forward for Jesus Christ. Mark it down. Anytime you or I make a decision to follow the Lord, the devil puts a bullseye on your back. And he will find that weak area in your life of how he can get at you. Had a Bible study with a young man, or not a young man, he was almost as old as I am, but that is a young man, I guess. (laughs) We met. I was hoping he'd be here today. He might be. Uh, We met at the gym. And God opened up a conversation. I says, let's have coffee so we can further this conversation. And I challenged him in some aspects of his spiritual growth. And I says, if you make a decision to do that, you mark it down that you'll probably have struggles in your family, struggles at your work, or wherever it might be, because the devil loves you to play idle and be lukewarm in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I warned us over a year ago about spiritual warfare. Then we got into the part of this about being spirit-led. you all remember that? I mean, Wednesday night has been a rich study. May I say this? Sometimes there's Sundays or Wednesdays or Sunday nights that are richer than other times. Yes or no? Just like your devotions. Sometimes it's alive. And other times, it's just, you just don't get. But I'm going to tell you something. As we grow in the Lord, I find it gets livelier and livelier. That's what keeps me going as a pastor. I'm going to just tell you that. It is the Word of God, how rich it is. I get to study it. It is so marvelous. And so, as we have these times... Can I just say this? You won't know (laughs) when the pastor hits it, the nail on the head. And by the way, it might hit Pastor Pastor Nathan right on the head. 
And it might not be for Frank Murray. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes in services, man, I just didn't get as much as I'd like to have gotten it. But Lord, I pray that someone got it. That's what I discovered in, even as a pastor that sometimes people get it, sometimes people don't get it. Sometimes people need to get it and they don't get it. Sometimes people don't need to get it and they still get something. But you never know when that nail on the head might be just for you. And the old devil keeps you from coming to that service. And you need to be able to discern the spiritual warfare. There have been times in my life that I said, man, I just really don't want to go to church. There's been times in my life I've said, you know what? I'm tired And when I come into church, and I know Pastor Nathan's done this also, Brother Pastor Frank has also done this, Uh, Brother Edwards has probably done this, when you sit down and say, oh God, I'm so tired, and and, and I don't know if there's going to be anything here, but would you make it worth listening to? May you just work. And I'm going to tell you something, when you feel God picking you up by the armpits and holding you up, what a thrill. Last night I went to study for today's message. And it's been a busy week. And as I was studying there for the message, my dear brother, I was falling asleep. And this is how the devil started working. Preacher, if you're falling asleep, guess what's going to happen to everybody else in church? Brother Frank, this is what I did last night. I decided to go to bed. And I said, God, just wake me up and help me to get it in the morning. I went to bed at 8.30 last night. Amen and amen. Good time, isn't it, Gary? The trouble with that As I woke up at midnight. (laughs) And I said, Lord, I don't want to get up at midnight. So he was gracious. He allowed me to sleep in till three. But Brother Frank, I said, Lord, I don't want to get up at three. And pretty soon, after enough time of laying there in the bed, you all know what I'm talking about? God says, I don't care what you want to do. Get up. And he put this message that probably won't be completed today. (laughs) That's all right. But he wants us to hear. And so he wants us to be able to discern What's going on? And we're getting food on Wednesday nights. And we're getting food in Sunday school. And we're getting food on Sunday morning. And we're getting food on Sunday night. And we're getting food in our, de- our devotions so that we can grow. God wants us to grow. But there's things that come up in our lives and we begin to struggle. 
The old devil doesn't want you to grow. You all know that, don't you? So you can struggle in your devotions. You can struggle in the time to have your devotions. You can struggle in various things. And I started uh, looking at this. And here in verse 3 where he says, why don't we consider? And that's a good question. I've already addressed this, so I don't want to reiterate too many things. But there, this self-examination, oftentimes we don't do it because of our own pride. Our own pride. I believe that all sins are rooted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. If I'm having struggle in anything in my life, I need to go back to the root. Because if you don't get the root, the weed will grow back. How many know what I'm talking about there? Man, I put poison on weeds and pulled out weeds. But if I leave just a smidgen of that root, it starts growing back. We'll have these spiritual warfares. And these things in a church can create struggles. And so we need to be looking at our own selves. And we've been talking about this, this self-examination. Sometimes rebellion comes into our hearts. And rebellion is rooted in, in pride. And that rebellion can be in the authority that authority needs to start with God. We, By the way, uh, in Sunday school this morning, Brother Turner, it was so marvelous as he was talking about how that Christianity has elevated women more than any other religion. Would you not agree? And you look at the crown of creation in Genesis chapter 2. But then you see what happens in Genesis chapter 3. And relationships change because of sin. Some people say, I don't like that. But that's what God says. I have encouraged people to read 1 Timothy chapter 2. To study 1 Timothy chapter 2. What it says there. Because this is God's word. This was Paul's instruction to Timothy. Of how a church was to operate. And yet people today say. I don't like that. And so we set ourselves up as the judge. Because we are being. Critical of what God says. How many think that's a smart thing to do, to be critical of what God says? Okay. So every church and every direction and every decision, it ought to be spirit-led by the Word of God. And so this authority, there's authority established in a church. There's authority established in the government. There's authority established in the home, right or wrong. It doesn't necessarily meet our progressiveness of society. But we need to get back to the Bible. Can you imagine going to the officer when he stops you going 85 during a 35-mile uh, 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 zone? And you say, officer, I don't like that 35-mile-an-hour speed sign. <laughs> How many think he won't write you a ticket? <laughs> How many might think he might think about taking you to jail? See what I'm saying? So we have, to, we have to discern these things. We need to look at our lives in our home. We need to look at our lives in government. We need to look at our lives in the church. And we need to be able to discern. We need to understand what's going on in our own lives. Sometimes we don't see eye to eye on things. May I say this? 
There are times when I don't see eye to eye with my own self. Sometimes it's because of confusion of the being spirit led and flesh led. You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's in this aspect of giftedness. And we talked about this on Wednesday night. Spiritual giftedness. And we've been sharing with our, our building team about the strength of the team is the team. The strength of the church is the church. Does that make sense? And in the church, there's giftedness. But just like in the church, some people thought their giftedness was more important than other people's giftedness. And they didn't see the strength of the team of the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage us the way I see things and the way Pastor Nathan sees things and the way Frank Murray sees things and Wayne sees things. We can see it differently. But you collaborate together being spirit led. You find wisdom in the multitude of counselors. By the way, is that a biblical verse? Does it also say that there is safety in the council, a multitude of counselors? So in this idea of discernment, we understand that the Holy Spirit works, the Bible works, and we can sharpen each other. But it's important for us to be able to say, is this true or is this false? Now, God's word is always going to be true. Amen. The spirit is always going to be true. But we have a conflict, and that is, we still have the flesh. And so on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about this idea of being spirit-led. We've also been talking about the importance of being spirit-led. Now, all of you that have been coming on Wednesday nights, I don't want to rehash all that information for a year. (laughs) But can I say, we came up with some important things here. And I just want you to see this because a picture is worth a thousand words. The idea of being spirit-led. On on Wednesday night, this started with the battle line. That's why spiritual warfare is there. There's a battle line drawn. You are saved. You've got Jesus Christ in your heart. You one day understood you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you invite Him into your heart and He saves you. Praise God for that. Amen? And God's Spirit came to live inside of you. But there's still a dark side. And that dark side is the flesh. It's still there. How many still have their flesh? Can I see your hands? Amen. Pastor Nathan tonight is going to be talking about the dead church. How many would like to be a part of a dead church? You know, a living church, a living church, Louise, right? They call you something else, but I don't remember what that is. When I pinch you, it hurts. If you were dead, you would not feel that. We feel, we sense the hurt of the flesh. As a born-again believer, this is one of the evidence of being born again. We recognize the hurt or the desires or the lust of the flesh. And so there's a battle going on. And we've been dealing with this. We all understand that. Anybody not understand it? I mean, if you're saved, this is a part of salvation. 
That's why if you're wanting to get saved just to coast through life, let me tell you, that's the wrong reason to get saved. If you want to get saved to have your sins forgiven and God to give you eternal life and develop a relationship with the Creator and have God live inside of you and have your sin penalty forgiven, then get saved. And He'll take you on a journey that He knows how to give. Ups and downs. Wouldn't you agree with me that it's important for us to discern who's in control of our lives with the ups and downs? Isn't it important for us to to discern what God is doing in our lives so that we can walk through it and be exercised by it properly? Because if we don't see it, we won't get it. And it's just like taking a test. If you fail a test, what do you have to do? Retake the class. Got to be able to discern. And so we talked about these battle lines. Notice here. Guess what's happening? Uh, you will ha- happen here is that that darkness is growing in this believer's life. Can I just say this is a believer's life? Darkness is growing instead of his mind being renovated, which means renewed by the Holy Spirit. His mind is still being influenced by the world. I dare say that there's not a person in this room, including this pastor, who does not understand how much the world's philosophy has come in. We just find ourselves uh, going out there and swallowing stuff. I'll be the first to raise my hand. We have lost or diminished being biblical thinkers. I want to encourage you. You've got to discover it. I've got to discover it. And how refreshing it is, Pam, when God gives us a little bit more light in our soul. Amen? And amen. I didn't see that. I didn't see it. Let me tell you something. Sometimes my pride gets in the way that I didn't see it. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes. By the way, that's all that's in the world. 1 John chapter 2 says. And then the flesh. By the way, the lust, of the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is, a, is all that's in the flesh too, isn't it? Guess what? You got another enemy that's working on you. Guess what his philosophy is? The lust of the eyes, the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Guess what you see all over here? He's got three things. You've got three things. This world's got three things. And we've got to be able to discern it. Or we'll never get rid of the roots. Wow. Is this important? It surely is. But I like this aspect of things, don't you? I, and this is the renovation of the mind. And I'd like to just share with you, and, we, and, 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 and our time is running out, and we're just not even into the introduction yet of this message. 
that God decided to wake me up early for. <laughs> but this, by the way, is what he told me to tell you. All right, I want to tell you something. I, as, as serious as I'm a heart attack, we've got to get this. We can't be playing church. There are things that we know that are important, but I'm not certain we know how important those things are. Because we've heard it all of our lives, but sometimes it's like water on a duck's back. Now, being born again is the most important thing that can happen to you in your life. Amen to that? But then as you're born again, after you've been born again, you want to grow. You want to get discipled. You want to have the truth so that you can grow faster. And I remember when I got saved, and I want to just give you a part of the progression of my own life of this growth. Because I don't want people to be overwhelmed by seeing someone who's been saved for 45 years as a pastor now for 37 years and not understand that there was a journey to get there. Does that make sense? Sometimes people look at things like the first day in college. Wow! Poor Ben Doffett. Poor Julia McCoy. She told her parents, wow, there's so much to do. Can I say, bring someone along with you. And help them through those times. I am so thankful that my youth pastor discipled me. If you've never been discipled, please come and visit with us. And we'll point you to someone who can help you on these steps. Baby steps, big steps. Let me tell you what happened to me. I got saved at youth camp. You all know that. And I don't, I don't, I never went forward in an altar call. I just believed it. In fact, no one even witnessed to me at this camp because they thought I was saved because I had short hair. This was in 1970. You all know what I'm talking about? You remember the, the 1970s? By the way, sometimes in church we think people are saved because they're there. You might think you're saved because you're here. But we learned the Romans road. And after learning the Romans road, uh, we I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And God loved me in spite of who I am. And all it did is I just received it in my heart. Let me show you what happened to me after I got saved. I, by the way, can I just tell you the very first thing that I did after I got saved? You know what the very first thing that I did after I got saved? I started witnessing. This is too good to not tell people. I remember here at youth camp, they took us all out uh, uh, street witnessing. Can you imagine? I was 15 years old, grew up in a Catholic home, knew nothing about the Bible except Romans uh, Road. And, and they took us all out street witnessing. 15 years old, downtown this city by the camp. Man, I went, is this? Everybody ought to be witnessing. You've got the light inside of you. God says we are the light, we're the salt. We better shine. And I remember leading a little boy to the Lord that day. You get born again. I personally believe that Romans chapter 10, where it says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, I personally believe that that's you wanting to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's part of it there anyways. Would you, that's a part of it, whether that's all of it or not. At least that's what should be. I mean, we've got the greatest news. It's called the gospel. It's good news. 
When you pick up the register guard, is it filled with good news? Good night. Someone says, I don't get the paper because I get too depressed after reading it. Watching the news, there's so much that's going on. But we got good news. And then I came home and I led my brother to the Lord. Told my mom and dad. Dad wasn't happy. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't. Stood up in church. I got saved. Fifteen years of age. Oh, by the way, I started going to church. Where did that come from? That came from being born again. You have to love the brethren. Isn't that what First John says? You know, to love the brethren means you need to be with the brethren. Amen to that. Get it. I mean, this is a, a chemistry of, of being born again. I didn't, no one told me I had to go to church. No one told me I had to witness. But there's a life that came into me. And, and it, was, it was so fresh and so real. You, many of you know what I'm talking about. And I started going to church. I used to hate church. I was hoping my parents would never wake up on Sunday morning. I'm serious as a heart attack. But I started going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, visitation. All those things. Youth group that met at 5 o'clock and church at 6 o'clock. You just wanted it because there wasn't so many things in this world distracting us from what really is important. And I shared last week about this in that the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Because we're to provoke one another to love and to good works. Now, that's 15 years of age. At 18 years of age, Brother George, I'm at Bible school preparing for the ministry. That's when I started to pray. Isn't that something? And I, I remember, I've told you the story, I don't want to rehash that story, but I started to pray. And I remember, I remember, uh, Brother Louise, that my, my prayer sheet, sheet, very careful how I say that, prayer sheet was... A three-by-five card. But I started praying every day. And I'm going to tell you something. God changed my life. Because God asked me to do something. And we go out and we do it. Because at age 16, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's a good decision. Maybe there's some folks here that need to make that decision. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Make sure you mean it. And and praying on a daily basis, man, that that hasn't that's that's not much if I could say that. But I want to tell you something. It has evolved <laughs> from that three by five card. Can I say I didn't start praying this way? And all through the growth process, can I tell you, the growth process, God lays other things on your heart. Because if you walk in the light as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all sin. And you'll have fellowship one with another. And having fellowship with God because you're wanting to do what God wants you to do, He will lay things on your heart. And there was a time when God laid praying the attributes of God on my heart. 
Then one time the God says, you know what, why don't we pray the, the warrior's prayer about putting on the armor of God. And as I go through this, there's other times that as God laid certain things on my heart. In fact, I've wrote down decisions in these prayer, prayer aspects and, and things like that. And, and it's so exciting to go and to see. And this is a, another journal. And by the way, if you were to look at this. Brother Frank, you say, I can see why your sermons sometimes look the mess they do, because this is a, whole, uh, this is a holy mess right here. <laughs> if that's the right way to say it, I don't know. I hope I didn't say something wrong. Did I say something wrong there? All right. Holy mess. <laughs> that might be the description of some of us. But, oh, I'm telling you what, how thrilling it is as you put checks along there, and, and God answers those prayers. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We have such great authority and power with God because we can come and we can address the King of Kings, the Creator of the universe. And as God lays things on my heart, I have a, a very intimate, immediate, urgent prayer request right here that God says, you need to take time to pray for these folks. And I'm asking God, I'm begging God. I don't share that with anybody. It's too personal. Many of these things in here are very personal. God laid on my heart to pray for every one of you folks. And, and, and just, I'm just throwing this out as some ideas to help hopefully stimulate some of our ideas. But we, we, we print out a, 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 a list of everyone in the church. And, and there in the list, is, as things come up on, on prayer needs, I put a little dot next to their name to help remind me. Because... As I pray for each and every one of you, it might be bless, 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 bless. Oh, here's a need I need to stop with. Does that make sense? Somehow, sometimes that's the way with our missionaries is all as well. By the way, I've got in this prayer this this little picture here. See, someone gives me that and says, "Will you pray for them?" And you put them in there. And there's many times, and, and sometimes I'll ask folks, will you give me a picture of your family so I can pray? I'm a very visual person, and so I can pray. By the way, uh, let's see, whose family? Oh, well, here's, some, here's a beautiful family. Would you not agree? Wonderful family. You can't see it from back there. All right. And when we have praying for our missionaries and praying for our staff and everything, sometimes we need to have whatever it might take to help us to have the urgency to pray for them. When Brother Thomas was here, which is a missionary we just took on, he says, why don't you pray for your missionaries? And God let me put this in my prayer journal. which says, we're going to pray for their culture. We're going to pray for their language. We're going to pray for their family. We're going to pray for their health. We're going to pray for their finances. We're going to pray for their safety. We're going to pray that they have boldness. We're going to pray for the manifestation of the Word of God. We're going to pray for open doors. We're going to pray for laborers. You see, you get ideas and you write those things down and God lays those things on our heart and they become a part of our prayer life. There are things that are part of our prayer lives that ought to be every day. One of the things that I added to my prayer life was Charles Stanley. He says, Father, I want you to guide me and lead me today. Speak to my heart. Make me sensitive to your promptings and to what is happening around me in the lives of those I meet. Fill me with your supernatural joy and use me today for your purpose. I surrender fully to you every day. By the way, when we go on a little bit further on the Sermon on the Mount here, it says ask, seek, and knock. You all remember that? That's right next after this section here. 
God wants us to come seeking. God wants us to come knocking. God wants us because we need to discern what's right and wrong. What God wants us to do. We get used to saying no to God. I'm telling you, my friend, it can be so detrimental. So detrimental. Well, I know I had a message up here someplace along this way. And and, uh, somehow it's gotten mixed up in this confusion up here I have. Oh my, something happened to my message. Time's running out, so it's okay, isn't it? Say, preacher, I hope you don't keep us another five minutes longer. That would be so detrimental to my health. <laughs> Let me say this. It wasn't until I was 22. So remember, church witnessing right there at the beginning of my own life. This is how God led my life. Oops, what happened? Did I do something wrong? The light went out. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> there it's on. Okay. Ah, right at the beginning. Prayer, 18. That was three years after I was saved that I started praying. Bible reading, another four years passed. Another four. Here, I'm already through bachelor's degree of preparing for the ministry. And God lays on my heart, just like He should lay on your heart, when the stage and where you are in your life. Some people here are much more advanced than I was. May I say what I'm showing up here is not a bragamony. It is actually, I'm ashamed that it took me seven years after I got saved to start reading the Bible. Called into the ministry. I told you last week, last Sunday was our anniversary. And for 39 years, God has allowed me the privilege to read through the scriptures. I've changed translations and all. I've stayed with that method because I want to be able to see from Genesis to Revelation what God has in his word. And it has taken a long time for some books of the Bible to become of greater appreciation. May I say that this year the Bible has become of greater appreciation? Because in January God laid on my heart, why don't you pray Luke chapter uh, 24 verse 45, Then open he their minds to understand the Scriptures. What a treasure that would be when we get in heaven our devotions and we're able to look at it and let it saturate our soul. And then, let's see if I can get up there. Oops, we've got two of them. We don't want you to get the preview there. You have to come back next week for that one. Help from above. Brother Kistler preached a message at camp. And he said, you need to have integrity in the seen and unseen world. And I wrote on my prayer journal, I made a decision that day, August 15th, 2008. That was eight years ago that I began to understand help from above. That I don't want things in my private life to be hindering God's angels and God's spirit working in my life. We got to have help from above. Would you not agree? Not by might, more by power, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. And then the last one. Well, there's not quite the last one, but this is a part of a journey. All of a sudden, two years ago, no, excuse me, six years ago. So eight years ago, six years ago, I began to understand the power of praise. 
six years ago. The power of praise. And God began to work in my heart about praising and giving thanks in all things. First Thessalonians 5, 18, 16 through 18. Message Brother Frank Murray preached. At a men's prayer breakfast, I just happened to be there. Frank preached the message and it spoke to my heart. The power of praise. You see, when God speaks to our heart and He gains ownership of this in our lives, then it pushes the darkness out. Do you all see the value of this? Well, we won't even get into those passages. There's one more thing and that was two years ago. God says, why don't you start memorizing the scriptures again? I'm bringing all this up because I personally believe that these are the things that helps us to be able to discern better because there's greater light in our soul. And the average Christian doesn't recognize how much darkness there is. And can I say, it is so dangerous not to see the light. Father, as you arrested my soul this morning in this aspect, and Lord, we just started, it looks like, the first part of this. And, oh God, if you tarry, give us the opportunity to study more of this next week. Then, Lord, help us with that. Maybe, uh, however it would be, Lord, help us not to forget what we've heard. Help us not to, to, to say, well, that's the pastor. Oh, no, 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 no. Every one of us has a unique plan that you should be placing in their lives and urging them. And we don't want to say no to you. And so this morning, right now, it is my prayer that this congregation will say yes. As we will sing, search me, O God. Search me, O God. Help me to say yes. Find out where I'm saying no. Find out where there's rebellion in my heart. Find out where there's pride in my heart. Help me, Father, if I've stopped growing, to grow again. Oh, bring me to the warmth of your fellowship. Open the windows of heaven of truth. Oh, I feel for those who maybe have never tasted. Because you said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The delicacies of these things that were presented that bring light into our soul are far more stimulating and rewarding than the things that this world, the flesh, and Satan put on and offer as enticements. God help us today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our time is gone. As God spoke to your heart, I don't care whether you've been saved for one day or 30 years. I want to ask you, are you continuing to grow? What is God doing in your prayer life? What is God doing in your Bible reading? What is God doing in your church attendance? What is God doing in our witnessing? What is God doing in these things? Have we really followed God in His leadership in our lives? And I just talked about the tip of the iceberg of how God in every day of your life can show you. 
John 16, 14, He's given us the Spirit to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. Oh, you want His Spirit to guide you. You want this light in your soul, my brothers and sisters. I can't encourage you enough. What the devil offers is not worth it. As God spoke to your heart, say yes to Him. If you're not saved this morning, you're not sure you're going to heaven because you've not in, you're not certain of where your destiny is, why don't you say yes to God right now and invite Him in? You say, that's my desire. That's my heart's prayer. Would you slip your hand up with every head bowed and every eye closed? Just slip your hand up. Say, that's my heart's prayer. Invite Him in right now. Well, this morning, God says, you know what? As I look at my life, I need to discern more. God's been dealing my heart about this discernment or about these steps or what is in my prayer life? What is in my reading? What is in my... God's been dealing... God's speaking to my heart right now. Or maybe recognizing spiritual warfare or whatever else that God might be dealing with. Yeah, you say, God's working. And I need to make some good decisions. I need to say yes. If that's your prayer this morning, would you slip your hand up? Hold there for this morning. I am so thankful for how you work. And Father, this message for one or ten, you've worked in hearts this morning, and I thank you for that. And it is my prayer that you continue to work, that we'll be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Search me, O God. What number is it if we need it? 262. set us free. In Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. amen and amen. Oh, my friends, take the message today. Let God continue to use it. Amen to that. I know football has started. <laughs> but there is something more important on Sunday afternoon than football. And that is to go back into God's Word and say, God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to do? We've got just a few announcements as you go your separate way. Our time is gone. Please be careful as you get out of the parking lot. Uh, go to Sunday school. Can we get up uh, anything? There's, there's, oh, they're up there, aren't they? They've been running. They are, haven't they? I think our, no wonder what happened. Let's see. Anyways, do we see where we are here. Okay, I'm sorry. There it is. There it is. Game night. Okay, whoops. There we go. Let's, uh, we're taking five minutes longer just for this. Because not on the back screen. We'll have to figure out what happened to the back there. Uh, tonight, 5 o'clock, remember what we're doing? Good. All right. Then there's, because uh, all this other stuff is, you know, is, is, is a little fluff, if I can say that, uh, and everything. But uh, let's see. I, I guess I use my head here. The Young at Heart, their barbecues, their sign-ups there. Look at the bulletin. There's a work day. By the way, Jerry Vanderville told me to say that 8 o'clock this Friday, 8 o'clock this Friday, We've got 450 chairs being delivered. We need somebody strong. 
or two or three or four. Eight o'clock. We got two hours to get 450 chairs off the truck. Carpet is going in this week in the auditorium and starting anyways, auditorium and fellowship hall. It's exciting. We've got a lot to do, though, between now and when that goes in. They're redoing the parking lot this week. There's a lot to do. You see, Jerry, if you can help with chairs. That all right, Jerry? He's right back. Raise your hand so that people don't know Jerry. Jerry's that handsome-looking fellow back there. All right. And then work day. We got, uh, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to be by Saturday, but there's a lot to work to be done before work day takes place. So you just let Larry know if you could help in whatever way, sign up on the back and all the, uh, the ladies delight, the men's meeting and all these things that are taking place. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>